Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Wisdom Seekers class. My name is Cece Collins, and I am your teacher for today. Uh, this topic that I've chosen, uh, foundation, has been burning in my spirit for really quite some time. Uh, as we have seen um, the world evolve the way that it has, and the changes that have been happening right before our very eyes, um, the foundations of, of, uh, that were created or established from the beginning of time have changed so much. So this morning, I'm, I want to just go through some scripture. I want to share and talk about uh, some things. I want to make some declarations and um, just share what God has been what God has been speaking to me about and uh, what's been on my heart. I have a couple of kind of lengthy testimonies that I want to start with to uh, kind of prepare where where what God has been. Um, the, the things that, that the testimonies actually of what of what I've been going through um, that not started the the conversation between me and the Lord about foundation but it, once the Lord began to speak with me I had these experiences and they really align well with my message and so I feel like it was necessary for me to share and I feel like I went through these things because of the fact that the Lord was, was speaking to me about foundation you know all of us have been experiencing the turmoil in our world today and we've watched a lot of destruction over the last uh, four years you know happen right before our very eyes um, you know who would have thought that a president of the United States would have had to go through the things that that our current president has had to go through serving in office I mean he's he, uh, just on every front he has been attacked and um, it's just a sign of the times. It's, it's the world that we live in today. So um, I have a couple of testimonies that I want to share. I have been in, um, I've been in a season where I've witnessed young kids and adults choose paths of destruction. Uh, the values that have been established in the word are fading in people's lives. And it's very sad to watch make, uh, people make wrong choices. And I know that we've all been witnessing that. But the season that I've been in is since school started in August, uh, I have been um, assigned to the high school where I live. I normally work um, at, um, with individuals that are at a residential facility. And so they're, um, and I'm kind of isolated. I'm like an, on an alternative campus. I'm kind of isolated from the general population. So, and I've been there 22 years. And so... <laughs> There's a lot that I don't see, and and in this last year, this last few months, where I've been scheduled to be at the high school because the population that I work with is at a residential facility and they're not allowed to um, be off campus yet because of COVID. So I've been reassigned, and um, I've been having to do a lot of subbing in classrooms and just filling in wherever needed, office work or whatever. Um, every morning I have to take temperatures and screen people before they come in to make sure that they're clear to come into the building. So um, uh, I've had a lot of opportunity to, to deal with kids, um, young adults, you know, teenagers. And they're basically out of control. <laughs> I mean, I worked with behaviors uh, for 22 years, and, and the ones that I'm working with now uh, are... They need to be where I work <laughs> normally, basically. It's just they don't have respect for adults. 
you know they don't even have respect for each other the conversation between uh, amongst themselves is some of the things that we would not even talk about as adults you know and it's it's heartbreaking you know it breaks my heart but i know that i'm on assignment from the lord and i know he's placed me here for a for a particular reason and i'll share that in um in just a few minutes but um uh, one particular day well it was election day i was assigned to a classroom to cover while the teacher went to go vote well the kids knew while i was there they knew that i was there because the teacher went to go vote of course then they wanted to know they asked me who i was gonna who i had voted for well before i could even uh, say who i voted for one of the uh, girls said um let me she popped up and said, Trump doesn't like gay people. Trump doesn't want gay people to get married. And another one said, why? I don't understand that. And I commented and said that it was not legal for same-sex people to, to be married in the United States. And they were shocked. They had no idea. They had no idea that it wasn't okay for people of the to have a relationship and, and bond in marriage. I mean, they just didn't know. I mean, they were shocked. And that was an eye-opener. I mean, I, I mean, people don't see it as it being anything wrong. And there's a lot of that that goes on in the campuses. A lot of girls, you know, would rather be with a girl than with a guy. I mean, it's, it's real shocking to me. And another situation that happened to me and another, and this had, this had already happened after, uh, after the first situation that I'm going to share. And I didn't have the liberty to talk to him about biblical things because I'd already been reprimanded about that. In just a few short months that I've been on campus, I've been called into the principal's office because of my faith. And, um, you know, I haven't shared this with Winfrey yet, but um, I, there was a situation. Uh, I was subbing another classroom. And there was a group of girls, and they were talking. And this one individual was started to talk about astronomy and about the zodiac signs. And she was saying how they're not compatible with one another and all this stuff. And then she said that um, these different guys, you know, they um, and how and their characteristics and how you know you can't get along with this one, you can get along with this one, and blah blah blah. You know, she went through the gamut of of going through all the different zodiac signs. And I sat there for quite some time listening to this conversation. And I got to be getting really uncomfortable, you know. Became, I became very uncomfortable about it. And I mean, as an adult, you want to correct things that are wrong, especially as a teacher, you know. If there's something, that, you know, out of alignment or whatever, you know, you want to make sure that the student understands the truth. And so I, I chimed in, I prayed about it a few minutes. And I said, God, how should I handle this, you know? I want to handle it, you know, I want to handle it according to your will. And uh, so I just said to the girls, I said, well, there's a lot of things that create um, a person's characteristic. I said, um, one of the things is, I said, is um, your family traits, you know, your family customs. I said, um, it was the way you were raised. Your genetics play a role. And I said, and God has put in each one of us the spi his spirit. 
and that forms in us and develops our, character, our characteristics and our personalities. Well, she popped up and said, I don't believe in God. Well, I was kind of taken back and shocked. And I said, well, you don't believe in God. Well, you're not going to go to heaven. And she said, well, I don't believe in heaven. And she said, oh, I believe in a God. She said, but it's not the God you're talking about. And uh, so I was kind of taken back. And I said, well, you're just so young to have made such a great, uh, you know, a serious determination about your life. I said, that really troubles me. I said, um, I wanna pr I'm going to pray for you. I didn't ask her, can I pray for you? I didn't say that. I said, I want to pray for you. I said, I will pray for you. Well, she went on to say that, um, that she was in a relationship with a girl. And I never made any comment about that because I didn't feel like, you know, I mean, I know, I know how people feel about it. You know, they don't see wrong in it and stuff like that. So I didn't, I didn't want to make a comment about that. Um, I could have told her, you know, my, my opinion of it, but I didn't feel like after she didn't believe in God, it was going to really do any good. So she said, I have done the church thing just like you. She said, and I used to be a believer, but I'm no longer a believer now. She says, I've, um, I've been st uh, studying astronomy for, I think she said like eight years or something like that, quite a while. And she says, and, and I believe in it, and I've, and, um, and I've done a lot of study about it. And I told her the topic also evolved to um, her saying that I can't prove that God is real. Uh, I can't prove that the Bible's real. And I told her, well, I can prove that God's real because uh, his spirit lives inside of me and I have a communication with him. And then she was, oh, you talk to God. And I said, well, yes, God and I do have a conversation with each other. And, um, of course, she, she found that offensive and... Um, refused to believe, which is fine. But um, the thing that happened afterwards, after class was over, I seen her talking to the principal. Well, I felt in my spirit that the reason she was talking to him was because she was complaining about me. And so um, this was a Friday. And um, so it troubled me over the weekend because I know church and state and all this kind of stuff, and really being in education, you know, I do know that you can't, you can't pray with your students unless they ask you. You can't teach God's word in the classroom. I mean, you can in such a way, but you can't, you know, really the biblical principle. And so, I was a little concerned, but I also trusted God that whatever happened happened. You know, I'm at the time of retirement. I can retire any time. <coughs> If I need to, and if I've lost my job, you know, what better way? So, Monday, I got called into the principal's office, and he, he was very uh, gracious. He was very gracious. And um, he told me, he said, if ever I was going to be fired, it would be, I would, uh, would want to be fired for ministering the Lord, you know, <laughs> Christ. And uh, he said, not that you're going to get fired. But he said, I had this girl, student, come up to me on Friday. And she was very uncomfortable with the conversation that y'all had had about the Lord and the fact that you said that you would pray for her. And um, he said, in this day and time that we live in, he said, you know, it's difficult to share your faith. 
and he said, and she's the type of person that probably could make some real problems for you if um, she wanted to. And he basically was warning me to let me know, to be on guard, you know, to stay away from the girl, don't have any more interaction with her if I run into her in her classroom or whatever, you know. And uh, he also reprimanded her, too, and he told her, he said, well, if you're in a conversation and you verbally talk about your feelings, then you can expect people to make comments. He says, so you opened up that can of worms, and, and so if you have something to share with you, then you're going to expect other people to share their opinion as well, which I felt blessed because he said that, you know. And he had said that to her in the very, very beginning, you know, of their conversation. He said, well, you opened the door, you know, you allowed your feelings and your opinions about things to be known and so therefore others have the right share what they feel too and um, you know of course he's a christian but and but he had just warned me but who would have thought in this day and time that you would have tell somebody that you will pray for them and they'd be in trouble <laughs> i mean it's it's our, our world is changing it's just evolving around into things that you know, we're just not used to. And I guess, I've, you know, being on the campus that I've been on for the last 22 years, I have, you know, talked about the Lord to my students. And I have actually prayed with them if they wanted me to pray with them. Um, but it's just, we're living in different times now. And, and this all happened after the Lord began to, to speak to me about the topic of foundation. So I felt like it was a timely, a timely um, testimony to share, to add to my lesson today. So um, today I want to just uh, talk about, share some scriptures and discuss how things were established from the foundation of the world and how <clears throat> things are changing right before our very eyes. You know, we don't know what this future holds for us in this political realm. But, you know, regardless of what, what happens, we know that God's on the throne and that he's going to see us through. And um, another thing is, since I've been able to be um, at the high school, the Lord had told me that I was going to be on assignment there. And um, so I, I have a lot of opportunity to walk the halls and pray in the spirit and just pray over the young, the young generation. Um, when I've been able to sub in the classrooms and I've had, you know, free time, I've proskuneoed in their rooms, you know, and just welcomed the spirit into their lives and into the students that come there. And I know, I know that God has, has got me that, there for a purpose. And um, so I feel very blessed and for, to have that opportunity to, to be able to do that. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure that's probably never been done. <laughs> and, um, you know, we all, we all have a job to do, you know, in this world that we live in. And I, I just count it an honor to be able to pray for our young kids and to be able to, uh, even if I can't speak into their life, we know, we know the power of prayer. And we know what it can do. And it, and it doesn't matter. The spirit can touch them. And the Spirit is going to and, ha and will touch them. And I just praise God for that. So my, uh, 
my uh, message today, my lesson today is on foundation. And um, the word foundation, this is the dictionary definition. It's a founding or a being a founded or an establishment, an establishment, a, a, a creation of something. And we're going to be talking about the creation of, of, the, of the world. And in Proverbs uh, 10, 24 through 25, verse 24 says, The fear of the wicked is upon him, but the desire of the righteous and those that have the vision of the Lord will be granted. As the whirlwind passes, so is the wicked no more. But the righteous is an everlasting foundation. And this foundation is the word hasad. And it means uh, the bottom of something, a foundation, and it means the repairing of something. So I felt, you know, that's what we are. We're the foundation of the, uh, we're a repair of the breach, the repair of those that are broken. And we do it, you know, in a number of ways. We can do it verbally, you know, or we can share our faith with others, or we can, we can do it just in a quiet way that we have to. But, you know, we, through our intercession, we are the repairer of the breach. We are the, the foundation of the world. Really lays upon our shoulders. You know, it's, it's our job to, to repair the breach. To repair those that are broken. And the righteous are those that see the vision of the Lord. That, uh, they, that have an they have an everlasting foundation that won't crumble. And the whirlwind they're talking about here is the ways, uh, the ways of, of God being established. And it's also the chul, the whirlwind, the chul, you know, the ways of God. It says, as the whirlwind, as the chul passes, so is the wicked no more. And as we do, as we chul, as we declare God's purpose, the wicked will, will be no more, but the righteous who are, who are us, is an everlasting foundation. And there's no place for the wicked when the, when the righteous, when the righteous, uh, righteousness are established, when the, when the chul, when the whirlwind comes. You know, our spirit, our spirit just, just removes the wickedness in the land. Just by our very presence by our very presence. In Isaiah 26, 16 and 18, 16 says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a foundation, a stone. And this is the word um, eban, and it means to build. It's a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. And this word sure is hasad. It means to lay, ordain, or set. And this is us. We are a tried stone. We're the precious cornerstone. And we've been tried. We've been, we've, been, um, we've been put through the fire to serve the Lord. 17 says, judgment is mis, uh, mishpat. Judgment also will I lay to the line, and a righteousness to the plummet. And the hail shall sweep away the refuge's lies, and the water shall overflow the hiding places. And your covenant with death will be disannulled, and your agreement with hell shall not stand. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, then you shall be trodden down by it. You know, our covenant with death 
has been disannulled. And we can't hide from God's divine laws, from his ordinances, from his decrees, from his judgments. We'll be upon those who don't follow him. And that's such a burden on our heart, you know, to, to be busy about the master's business. When we partner with God, we walk in his blessings, and his covenant and death will not be upon us. We have that promise. We have that fulfillment from the Father. Amen. In Isaiah 48, 9-13, verse 9 says, For my name's sake will I defer my anger, and for my praise, this is halal, will I refrain uh, for thee, that I cut thee not off. Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the affliction of, in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, even for my own sake, will I do it. For how shall my name be polluted? And I will not give glory, glory, my glory to another. Hearken unto me, O Jacob and Israel, my call. I am he, I am the first, I am also the last. My hand also lay, uh, hath laid the foundation, and this is our wood, Hassad, of the earth, and my right hand, which is that right hand of partnership, has spanned the heavens. And when I call unto them, they stand up together. This scripture right here is referring to us, those that are called upon the Lord for our salvation. God will refine us. He has chosen us to walk this journey with him, and we stand in the histeme together in Arterio in partnership with God for this creation. In verse uh, 10, it says, I have refined thee, but not with silver, but he has chosen us. We are the uh, eclecto, the called out ones. And sometimes we have to go through that fire, that furnace of affliction. You know, those things that burn inside of us, you know, they're, they're, they're a weight upon us to repair the breach, to repair those things that are broken, to make the waste places straight. And the Lord says here that I will give my glory not to anyone else, but his glory belongs to those that are righteous that stand before him in partnership. Amen. And I have some scriptures here that um, talk about things that Jesus, uh, Jesus was saying. And in Matthew 13, 34 and 36 says, All these things uh, spake Jesus unto the multi multitude in parables. And without a parable spoke he not unto them. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret, which is crypto, from the foundation, from the conception, from the very time that the world was conceived. These things have been, um, have been kept secret. And that's our job, right, as, as uh, pneumatikos believers, is to hear what God is saying, you know, from his heart. Those crypto things that he wants us to stand and believe for. Uh, verse 36 says, Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto me to us the parable of the tares of the field. <coughs> uh, Jesus spoke in, in parables often confused many people. And sometimes it's hard to understand. 
The parable of the tares refers uh, here refers to the sons that have that have sown good seed, but the enemy can come, and will come if we're not careful to draw us away. And many, many have been drawn away by their own lust and by their own desires. And we we have a lot of work to do in the end times to um, to draw others back to Christ, to to repair those broken places before the Lord. Are there any comments? And the thing about it, too, you know, the arrogance about her. I see her around school, you know, and she has such arrogance, you know. Um, and right after the situation happened, I seen her, you know, talking to her friends and pointing at me and them all looking at me and stuff. And I just say, you know, how blinded they are. How very blinded they are, you know. They don't realize what they've partnered with and, and, and what they've come to agreement with, you know. It, it breaks my heart. But I know that God can turn her around, and, and I do. Find, and, and since then, I have found out how her grandmother is, and her grandmother is someone that Wimper and I know, and she goes to church. She's a believer, and it burdens my heart that she has a granddaughter that has strayed from the Lord. And I know she cries out to that for that child, and, and in the nighttime hours, she's asking God to forgive that child and draw her back. And I'm just going to stand in agreement with her, you know. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pray and trust God that that will happen. Um, <clears throat> you know, we all have loved ones, um, kids that we've known that have that have walked away from their calling in the Lord and strayed. And if we don't have ones we love, we know we know ones that have been there and no longer are are where they should be. You know, walking in with the Father. And. Um, it's a hard path. I mean, it's a hard path to, to suck it up and deal with it. And um, even those that can say that they're believers, but they're really not walking in covenant with the Father, I mean, that is just as bad. I mean, as you have one that is not where they're supposed to be, to have one that claims to be in, that it, it, even more blinded, actually. You can sit and listen to the Word, but you, you know, does it penetrate the way it should? And that's, that's troubling, you know. And so, I'm just going to stand in partnership with Grandma, and I'm just going to believe, you know, that those things are going to be turned back around, and that her eyes would be open. But see, that's what happens when you begin to deal, delve in, in things that are not of God. Then you begin to want to know more, want to know more, want to know more, and this is what's happened to that child. You know, she had an interest in it, and so she became interested in it, she studied it, and probably I see maybe she's had some broken relationships with a guy, you know, maybe a guy dumped her for somebody else, and, you know, that wounded her heart and her spirit, and who knows what her father's uh, 
um, relationship with her father. She may have not had a father in her life, you know, and so therefore she doesn't have that male nurturing that she's needed to have growing up as a child. And all these things play a role, you know. Um, so it's just, it's, and it, we have a lot of kids nowadays that grow up with no father. I mean, they're in abandoned homes. You know, the mother's raising these children. They're doing everything they can to uh, to make uh, finances for the family. Love, many of them working two jobs. They don't have time to discipline. And even when they do have time, they're too wore out to do it. And there's a lot that draws our young kids away, you know. And another thing that was so surprising to me, and it shouldn't have been, but it was, is everyone. I mean, I'm on a campus of 500 kids, Every, which isn't really large compared to some here in, in Dallas, I know, but um, we have about 500 students, 500 and something. And there's not one kid that doesn't have a cell phone. Not one child that doesn't have a cell phone. And to me, I found that just so strange. I don't know why I know that in this year, you know, age of technology, it shouldn't. But, I mean, just to put food on a table and rent paid and a car going and then a parent having that phone bill expense. I just found it really strange, but even the poorest of children have a phone. And, um, which, there's a lot that can happen when, you, when, a, when a young kid gets a phone. I mean, they're so consumed with what's going on social media and all these, you know, YouTube videos and everything, and, you know, their focus is in the wrong place, you know, to be perfectly honest. And, and it's sad. It's been a real eye-opener. It's been very, very sad for me to experience it. But then again, you know, I know, uh, I know why God sent me there. I know that I'm there for, you know, a particular purpose, and I'll just, and I will do what God has asked me to do. <clears throat> Amen. That's what matters. So in Matthew 25, uh, 34, it says, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, and this is the right hand of partnership, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation. And this word is uh, catapult. It means from the conception and the time that the world was conceived. There is a kingdom prepared for us from the foundation of the world, and we continue to walk in the grace of God, we will receive it. But when we walk out of covenant with God, those, the, that is when we fall out of fellowship with him, and we won't receive the, the blessings that the Father has in store for us. <coughs> and the next scripture is Luke 6, 47 through 49. 47 says, Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and do them, I will show uh, I will show." you to whom he is like. He is like a man that built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation. And this is the word Thethemios? Thethemios. There you go. Thethemios. Yeah, Thethemios. It's T-H. Yeah, Thethemios. But it's from the word Thethemi, which means to set, to put something down, a building as a foundation. On a rock, and when the, house uh, when the flood rose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built on a house upon the earth against which the streams did beat vehemently. 
and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. What's interesting about this is what was a recent study um, in teaching the pastor did regarding the tithemi that he's placed within us. And so we have to recognize that everything that we do is based on that tithemi. So you then you, instead of just saying, so we've always looked at this from the old churchy point of view, you know, building a foundation, and this, these are true, true things. I'm not saying that they're not right, but you know, you have to build it on the word. You know, I mean, that's, you know, that's what your foundation is built on. And people who build their foundation on the word, then their house will stand. And, and that's certainly true. And the people who don't use the word and they're trying to build something, obviously there's, there's really nothing to hold it up. But if you go further with this regarding the, teach, the teaching of the Tithemi within us, and that is, then everything that you do has to come from that place. And it also lines up with the other teachings that have to do with Adonai, where we've all been placed. We all have our own calling. We all have our own assignments. It's not like, you know, I can go over there and do what Les is doing. And, you know, I'm going to be a money maker. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, but, you know, trying to do what someone else has been called to do. Instead, if we act upon what God places in our heart to do, and the Tithemi, so the Tithemi is His deposit in us. It's, that, so it's coming from Him that He's put within us. I just think that's a, a neat way to um, expand that, what I would say is a very elementary understanding about the foundation. Um, you know, we're, everything that we do is based on that tethime and the calling that's within our lives. And it's not that we're doing anything major. It's not that, you know, it's not because I'm out doing any, you know, things that are maybe even anybody even knows about. They're just small things that I'm doing. But the foundation I'm building is the, built, the foundation I'm building for myself. It's the thing that I stand upon. But the tethime within us is what enables us to do that. Yes, I have to water it with the word and I have to be in communion with the Father and all those things have to be in place but it actually starts with what he put in us. I think that's kind of cool and you I know, never thought of that before I mean, until he's read that. And that's real similar to this whole cornerstone concept right? I mean if you go I mean the building that I work in is the old um, historic post office in Florida building and a lot of y'all have been there there's a cornerstone okay? and you have the old inscription but if that's not set right and everything's not built from that, it's all going to be a flat. It's going to be crooked, it's not going to be level. There'll always be problems. Yeah, it's going to create. So what you're saying is that the Tithemi that we're showing to us, it's kind of like that cornerstone. If we don't build off of that, and we start building off of something else, or we start skewing that, mm -hmm. then the whole house is not. That's true. Our house is Yeah, it's the cornerstone. And Stacy, what you're talking about, it's really just simple. You know, it's just how God created us to be. You know, we have to walk in our own purpose and not someone else's. You know, this... Um, this parable that Jesus spoke, I think of the story of the three little pigs. You know, it's a very elementary example. Um, but we have to have that solid foundation in the Lord to be able to build upon it. But when we, what we, when we allow for, um, but it will not stand, it will crumble. It can crumble under adversities, trials, afflictions, you know, under twisted purpose, under twisted purpose, you know, being out of alignment with God, you know, not being 
not being where we are called to be, not standing in where God has called us to be, of who he's created us to be, twisted purpose. You know, we cannot be effective in the kingdom. You know, we won't be effective when, when we uh, get out of uh, alignment with the Father, when we develop twisted, uh, when we develop iniquities with the inside of us, when we, you know, walk out of covenant with where God has created and what he's called us to be, uh, like uh, Stacy was saying. Uh, in John 17, 24, 26, it says, Father, I will that they also whom they have given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, my doxus, which thou hast given me, from, uh, for thou lovest me before the beginning, from the very conception of the world. God knew us. As, as Stacy was saying, you know, he formed us uh, and he created us and he put inside of us our personalities, our characteristics, um, and our thinking. You know, if we if we walk in the Father, aligning with Him, and we're just called. If we just if we will, if those that are called, if we will just walk in, in in the partnership of God, then we won't have any problems. And verse twenty-five, it says, "Father, the world hath not known Thee, but I have known Thee." And, and these have, uh, have known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them my name, and I will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in me, in them, and in me also, and I in them. So the, Father, the love of the Father will be in us whenever we walk in the pathway that he has called us to be as sons. If we will just stand before him at the throne and and hear his voice and follow after. It says, the love, the agape of God is before us. That pure passion that burns within the heart of God for us to fulfill his purpose. And that came out of line upon line. As, as sons, we will reign with him on high. This world is not our own. We are just passing through. And I have heard that song over the years. It's one of the songs that you know I heard when I was in the general church. And and it's true. We are in this world. We are just passing through. We're, we're just but a vapor. Time is passing by us uh, very rapidly. I just, I just think it's curious as I look at this. And again, you, know, you think you read these verses all the time and how come these, you don't have these thoughts. But just in reading this, these three verses, Jesus talking about the Father, how does the general church miss that message? Because that is truly missing from the church. They only look at Jesus. They only sure. seek a relationship with Jesus. It is, it's bizarre to me when Jesus' own words are so plain. It's, I mean, when I think about even that last verse, <coughs> I have declared unto them your name. It's the Father's name. And the love that comes from the Father, and it has to happen that way. I mean, I just, I don't know, when you read that again, it's just the thought that the thing that stood out was, how has the church missed this? That they've been called to have a relationship with the Father through the sacrifice of Jesus. I mean, we're, we're, we're brethren with Jesus. He's our elder brother, and we pattern ourselves after what he did and are like him so that we can be with, because he was with the Father. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. You, you think about it, though. 
That's right. And I think that actions speak louder than words. Because his words, I yeah. believe a lot of them, yeah. but his actions, you know, look at what he's done. And if, if, if leadership doesn't begin to talk, so if leadership doesn't begin By example. in our denomination, yeah. mm -hmm. lead the flock to the Father, you know, that, that, I mean, to me, that's really where it's gone. Well, when they said that, I think all of us, at least I did, I was like, they don't get it. I mean, I just, it was just like, they were talking, it was like talking a foreign language to us because of, you know, where God's taken us to. When they said that, it was just like, that's it right there. If they were offended. Right. And we were talking about the Father, more about Jesus. Jesus came, his Father sent him. It came from the Father. And people even get offended. I have a friend that got offended um, during a prayer, and if you don't end it in Jesus' name, and, and if you say if you just pray to the Father, well, you have to pray. You have to pray in Jesus' name. You have to end it in Jesus' name. It has to be Jesus' name. I said you don't have to say Jesus' name. Jesus already knows. I mean, you know, it's just a, and there's no reason to get in a conflict over it. You know. And I think about uh, the denomination that uh, Monica and I were raised in. You know, we were raised Catholic. And there's a lot of good things about the Catholic uh, faith. Uh, as I've gotten older and I, I see, I mean, they're very reverent. But it's so twisted. They pray to Mary. Mm -hmm. You know, what power does Mary have? I mean, they have given so much power to Jesus' <laughs> mother. I mean, it's just like, and they're blinded. Mm -hmm. I mean, they... They pray these constant prayers to Mary and, and all these saints and all these people when, I mean, they believe in, in, in the virgin birth and they believe in a lot of things, you know, but then they, they take it and they twist it up, you know? I mean, I don't, you know, I don't understand, you know, where people get all these twistings from. And it's really worse now um, in our days today as, as we live than it, than it was when Monica and I grew up. Well, that, but we were also taught reverence for the Father. Yeah, we were. We so were taught. That, that was not uncommon for no. us. No. You know. But I'm just saying, you know, faith today is just, I mean, it's, the world has evolved into a very, very odd place. It's devolved. Um, devolved. Devolved. It's into <laughs> Well, it's also evolved. But, yeah. I mean, into a very, in, in, to a very strange place. And when we look around and we see, we don't even really recognize where we are at anymore. And these last four years have been such a great eye-opener to all of us, you know. And Well, even like in my office, most everyone that works for our company is a Christian of some form. But to hear some of them, they are so, I mean, just, just because of what Trump stands for versus what the Democrats stand for. I'm like, how can you vote that way? Yeah. You know what I mean? And some of them are just staunch. And I'm like, 
I don't get it. Can't I just, you see I, the truth? I you just know? don't get it. People, people's eyes are definitely blinded. They just don't see the truth. They don't see the truth of... of Can I say something, though? <clears throat> Getting to the truth is harder than being swayed by the world. Mm -hmm. Being swayed by the world is easy. You just, you just kind of float along with everybody. Like, oh, yeah, let's face it. You know, I, you know they, don't, they don't fact, I mean, they don't really dig in and check mm -hmm. the facts. Yeah. And they allow themselves to be blown about by every wind of doctrine. And it, it, you know, it's, it takes some, you know, it takes some, what's the right word? Is it, well, know? opinion is, is much easier than truth. Yes. Opinion is easily uh, found. Mm -hmm. Truth is much harder to find. There's ten opinions in so having grown up in the, in the denomination that you were talking about, um, there's 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 the words that were said, okay, the truth or the, the, the preaching, the teaching, and then there's perception, and we and that's often different than what was said, and you can't have a relationship with anyone for any amount of time until you realize there's a difference between what's been said and what perception is. And uh, many of us were, were uh, as a perception, were of a mindset that, that Jesus somehow softens God. Mm -hmm. The and Father is... And but the, Jesus is the love. The Father yeah, is. Yeah, the Father's going to get you, but Jesus keeps that from <laughs> that happening. That makes sense, yeah. He keeps that from happening. Jesus. He's a good guy. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> saves. Jesus saves, yeah. right? And and that's not what was being taught, and yet that's what children picked up. Mm -hmm. Children grew up and became the ones who were teaching. And so... The ones that were teaching passed along those perceptions rather than the truth. And the truth is harder to find than opinion. And so uh, that's how these things happen. And it's, it's not the Father, it's not Christ, it's not the Holy Spirit, it's us being lazy. And, and we tend to trust perceptions more than we trust truth and and uh, it, it happens it and I was I don't know I was in adulthood somewhere when I started to really realize how perceptions were wrong and my fault I had the wrong perception and uh, and that's because I was doing more digging and, and seeking truth and uh, it, it, so I can see how it happens, and we can see it happens, so we can't help but know that it happens. And, and the, the, the perception has now affected the teaching because of, of lazy exploration into the Word. Uh, God forgive us.
and and we, you can't be a parent without at some time realizing that the things you said, thinking that they were the proper things, somehow the child got a completely different perception. Always and, happens. And you didn't realize it was even happening, and you no. had to clear it up, straighten it up, mm -hmm. work it out, and you wonder how did they get the impression from what, from what I said, how did they get that other impression? But, uh, but so it happens. And uh, it's the Holy Spirit that, uh, and there's no telling what kind of perceptions this young girl has picked up. Right, right. That has caused her to reject, and, and the scripture says that they are drawn away. So mm -hmm. the spirit of, of Satan is drawing her away. And therefore, when the tug comes the other direction to draw her back, there's the wall. The wall goes up, the emotions become enraged, and the spirit that is within her is resisting the God that is drawing her back. Well, there could be some offense. And, and that's, what, that's what we see, I'm sorry. There could be some offense as well that it actually caused, creates yeah. that wall that makes it Yes. yes, but this happened, or yeah. but this is the way it is. Sure, and it could be someone of good intentions that gave the wrong impression. Right. Or it could be someone who uh, was was taught based on perception rather than based on truth. Mm -hmm. Passed it on, mm -hmm. and here we are. And that's why we study to show ourselves approved. Amen. Yes. Amen. Well, you, you think about what father means to people most households right to most kids you know my perception of father was a drill sergeant who was not affectionate at all you know and when we went to light the nations they did a prayer thing and they were talking about the father and I just started manifesting and I realized, never realized I had all that in me and this man came up and you know they said if there's somebody beside you go pray for them and this man came up to me and he began to pray and he stood and asked in repentance for the man or men in my life that had hurt me and that was an eye-opener because I really because I couldn't even say father in the perception of our Heavenly Father when they began to pray that, it was just horrible what came out of me. And I'm like, Father God, Daddy, Father God. You hear people say Father God or Daddy God or whatever. And I would be like offended because that was not the perception I grew up in in our home. And so when that man began to pray, I, all this stuff came out of me. And, you know, the abuse as a child, all this stuff, not by my father but by somebody else. And all this stuff just started coming out of me, you know. And so it shocked me that it was there. But he would not relent until I was free of that. And I, and I, who knew, who knew that was going to happen, you know? And so you think about, and you know, you grew up in my household, and you know, what what are these kids experiencing? Yeah, nowadays, world? nowadays, what are they really experiencing? And that's where I, um, yeah. I come from with this young girl. I don't know. I don't know. I know her grandma, but I don't know anything else about her family and 
And I don't even know if she had a dad in her life or any of that, you know. So I'm sure that all these things that she's built has been created because of, of what she's grown up to be and, 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 and the broken hearts that she's received along the way. And so we just got to, you know, I just got to pray for her. I got to pray and believe God that he, somewhere along the way, you know, that, that brokenness will be fixed and that somehow, you know, she'll, she'll come back to where she's supposed to be in the Lord. Well, let me just interject this real quick. This, this is good conversation. Having grown up in the Assemblies of God uh, as well, like some of you, um, yes, the focus was Jesus. And uh, looking back on those people who still are there in the denomination, I can, I can, in my mind, I can point to people, you know, that I can see sitting in the pews who I would classify as very devout Christians, mm -hmm. and but they don't know the whole truth, mm -hmm. and the reason why I think that has occurred for some of them is the fact that it, they stress to us in church the fact that you had to have a measure of worthiness, a measure of holiness, uh, not only to Jesus, the Son of God, but to Father God. And I can remember very precious people, uh, they didn't do it every week, but they would fall under that conviction that, you know, they were not worthy. Measured enough. up. You know, <laughs> we make mistakes every day of our life. You know, things slip off our tongue every day of our life. We're not, we're imperfect people. But God, God is so loving and he covers all of that. Uh, Jesus, through Jesus Christ. But I think they just couldn't get past Jesus because they didn't feel worthy to approach God because they couldn't, they couldn't control the sin, which they, well, a sin is sin, you know, big or small. Uh, and that's where they, I think they hit the wall. And I, I don't think they see it as a wall. I think that they see it as just something they need to overcome. And uh, I'm not sure, I, you know, I really need to meditate on this, but I, I, you know, I just, I keep thinking about this, and I know that in order to reach those very precious people who really are devout Christians, um, there is a measure of deception, yes, from the enemy, uh, training, you know, a misunderstanding and not recognizing the truth. But uh, again, too, there's that, that feeling of unworthiness and not having that holiness. And of course, you know that there are uh, movements where holiness really is what you look like. And really, we know that has nothing to do with it. But still, that's the way they see it. And uh, God help us to reveal to us how to pray more accurately for those people. God release those mysteries that they need to know to break that off for them. You know, that's also, uh, you're talking about that. That's then, you know, there was such a misunderstanding about communion, too. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's instilled in us, you know, that we were unworthy to come to come before the, um, the gifts of communion. And if you were unworthy, then you had to ask forgiveness. You had all this condemnation put on side, inside of your heart you know, from a very little child, you know, growing up. Um, 
how reverence it was and that if you come, you know, before the Lord, you know, what would happen to you if you did with, when you had things in your heart. And I've heard Pastor, you know, say, you know, as a child, you know, he thought, you know, hell and damnation was going to get him, you know. And, yeah. And it's just a twistedness of the word that has been, you know, taught to us from, you know, as small children has built our characteristics and, and drawn us to a place of not feeling worthy to come, you know, to the Father in, in partnership, into communion, into fellowship. This next part I entitled, We Are Nothing Without His Increase, and it's in 1 Corinthians 3, 5-15. And it says, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have a planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building, according to the grace of God which is given to us as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation, I have set, I have put, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth there, thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon his foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and that's the fire of the Lord. And the fire of the Lord shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so also by fire. And that's speaking of the fire of the Lord. We have to build upon that rock being our foundation and nothing else will stand. This world truly has nothing to offer us. The fire of the Lord will be upon us to, uh, to do his work and to minister for him. It is his fire that will refine us just as he has created us to be, as Stacy said. The fire of the Lord burning away any iniquity that is in us. We can stand before him as a refiner's fire ready to fulfill his purpose. This next part I entitled Spiritual Blessings, and it's in Ephesians 1, 3-4. Blessed, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who had blessed us with all spiritual, this new monocost, blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen, eclecto, that's to select us in him before the very foundation of the world, that we would be holy, hagios, saintly, and without blame before him in agape. The next part is Jesus is our peace. In Ephesians 2, for he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down that middle wall of partition, and that's that barrier between him and I, having abolished in his flesh the enemy, 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 even the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, for to him, for to make in himself a twain, one new man, so making peace. And if this peace they're not talking about not having any trials or tribulations. Verse 16, and that he might reconcile both unto the Father in one body by the cross, having slain the enemy, enemy 
thereby and came and preached peace to you which was far off and to them that are nigh for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the father now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints with the hagias and of the household of uh, God that's Elohim and are built upon the, the foundation of the apostles and the prophets Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple of the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the spirit we are given everything we need to walk in God's purpose we just need to be faithful to walk walk in it and the next part I entitled duty of a servant first Timothy 6 17 through 19 says charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy that they do good that's uh, Tob that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Boy, I love that. Amen. Here in Ephesians, um, uh, I may notice this, uh, Christ's death on the cross allowed us access to the throne of God. When the veil was ripped, it was finished. There is nothing standing between us and God. We have full access to the throne, and let's never forget that. Let us commune with God in partnership. And see, this is where the church is, is missing it, right there. Uh, the next part I entitled, uh, already did that. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, 19-21. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure having this zeal the Lord knoweth them that are his and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver but also of wood and of earth and some to honor and some to dishonor and if a man therefore purge himself from these he shall be a vessel unto honor sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared for every good work this is my prayer for the church that that they will wake up they they will not walk in iniquity which is twisted purpose that they will follow the pathway of righteousness which is the vision of the lord to to fill, to fulfill his will in these last days that they will become vessels of honor which is this word time timmy meaning to be in proper timing and patience and carrying out a deeful need for the lord it also means who we represent you know, Pastor sp spoke to us about several months ago about honor, and you know, it also, you know, honor means who are we representing when we were representing God. And the last scripture I have let me, today. Let me stop you. I know we're we're getting over time, but going back to First Timothy six, verse nineteen, um, the verse that really jumped out at me was laying up against the time to come. And if you've ever felt the Lord preparing you for the time to come, is now. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but it just seems, you know, we've been being prepared, but since nothing dramatic was happening, you know, you're just being prepared for the next season, which was similar to the one that was before that, but different, because of course you're, you're line upon lining it, and you're changing, and God is doing all these things in you. But 
But in this hour, with things around us changing the way it is, the laying up against the time to come really comes to the forefront of my mind. I'm thinking, okay, so if we're stepping into the end times, everything that we're doing is we're laying up against the time to come so that we can lay hold of eternal life. But that word laying up actually has its root in tithemi. So back to the tithemi, mm-hmm. but also the, um, the word in between, what the, this is a word that's got about 40 letters in it, but if you, if you keep looking back at the derivatives and getting back to the tithemi, it's the thesaurus, so that treasure. That's right. Is also a part of this word. So Amen, that's right. I just look at that. That is a huge, that's just a huge statement right there. It has a lot of meat. Um, but that's what we're doing. I mean, we're truly being fortified within ourselves through the tithemi, through the treasure that we're laying up based upon his word, our relationship. I mean, all those things are, are, are part of the sure foundation that we can go forward in knowing that no matter what's going on around us, I mean, our house is not going to fall. And I'm not talking about the Father's church, although this house is built upon the, all of our tithemes and what we're, we're doing together collectively. But, you know, I can't save less. If he starts to go awry and think something else, I can't change his mind. Only he is in control of what he thinks, believes, and does, and acts, and all those things are under his control. So he has to build that foundation for himself. This is what is so important for each one of us, that we don't stop praying. We can't stop looking into the Word. We can't stop anything that we're doing. It's We're laying up against that day where maybe the last 20 years have been hard, but not. I don't think it has any comparison to what you know is before us. And we have been chosen to live in this time frame, just like the disciples were chosen for that time frame. And they lived through something that was pretty god awful, and they didn't understand it. So I don't know. I just think that's a that's a that's something that you are right there. Something else, though, it goes back to the scripture that you referenced earlier. You didn't reference the scripture, but you were speaking from James chapter 5, verse 14. Uh, it says, Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own love and enticed. And then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. Right? So, again, I think. You know, Stacey, what you're talking about is, um, you know, laying up, you know, kind of, I mean, you think about, like, going on a journey, you know, you're going to take your stuff, sight, and your stuff, with everything you need for that journey, right? You're looking ahead, you're saying what you think maybe you coming, whether it's cold weather or rain or whatever, and you're preparing. We need to be doing that in our spirit, right? Laying up, you know, tithing into ourselves. Um, those things that we're going to need to accomplish the work the Lord's called us to for the foreseeable future. But like this girl that was saved, or, or says she was saved, you know, she, like we could be, was drawn away, mm-hmm. she was tempted and drawn away by her own lusts, right? So if we get our eyes off the prize, if we get our eyes on anything other than the word, the Lord, the call that's on our, our lives individually, and on our, our body, corporately, 
Well, we can just think about our own movement, what has happened over the last several years within our own body and the ones that have been drawn away. I want to close with this scripture, and this is our responsibility. It's in 1 Peter 1, 13-33. It says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope. And this is Elpis. To the end of the grace, this is Charles, that, it, that is to be brought in, uh, unto you in the revelation, the apocalyptus of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning ourselves according to the former lust in our ignorance, as Les was saying, but as he which have been called, hagios holy, saintly, so we be holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if, you, and if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges every one to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your Father, but with the precious blood of Jesus as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and your hope might be in God, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, unto unfringed love of the brethren see that you love one another with the pure heart fervently being born again not of corruptible seed but incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever and these verses speak um, everything we need to move forward in, in, in God we have the hope we have in him we have the grace that is upon us the revelation to know when to move and the things we need to do the saintly wind his spirit and is agape to guide us. And we need nothing else to be successful. Just a willing heart. Just a willing heart in order to be obedient to the call that God has placed on our lives. So, that concludes my message for today. I hope it ministered to you and um, brought back some things that we all need to work on. Amen? We all need to work to be better in our position before the Father. And um, we need to just hold each other up, guard each other up. You know, be that handmaiden for one another, and stay and stay on, uh, on our face before God at the throne. Amen. 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 So God bless everyone. <laughs>